Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure I click the subscribe button, like, comment. Let us know think about the episode, if there's a particular guest topic question that you have. We're always checking YouTube comments and love to be able to take the things you guys want to hear about and be able to make them um, in either future episodes um, or be able to ask a guest the question when we have them on. Today's episode, you might have seen this. Um, if you're really into Diesel, follow a bunch of different pages. Um, but there was recently a diesel shop owner who had an EPA case, and the result was he was sentenced to federal prison for it. Um, some of the um, things that the government had said um, he had uh, he had did that were emissions related. So he's going to join us today. Um, I wanted to have him on to be able to get the facts, the information um, directly from him, and wanted to allow him to use our our platform to be able to reach um, you know diesel truck owners out there, uh, new shop owners. Um, people who may have been in the business for a while um, with questions and, and information. So it's definitely going to be a, uh, a sobering conversation, something that's very serious, but we wanted to make sure that we covered it and got it out to all of you who listen. Before we get to it, though, we want to remind you guys, our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide code for you. So if you go to kershaw.kaiusa.com and use code 23diesel20, you get 20% off site-wide, and they've got a ton of choices. Um, for quality knives, for EDC, hunting, fishing, um, use around the job site, around the house. They've had a bunch of releases for 2023. One of their newer models are the Duralock models, and the blade's made out of D2 steel. There's different choices for blade length, design, um, different handle shapes, contours. So it's a the way the blade open, opens and closes is super smooth. I've got a few of them myself, and it's always something that I have in my pocket when I'm going outdoors or, you know, just running errands. Um, it, it balances very well. So if you're in the market, definitely make sure head on over, check them out. Use 23 diesel 20 for 20% off site wide. All right, let's get to today's podcast with a shop owner who was recently sentenced to federal prison for um, emissions related things with, uh, you know, his shop and diesel truck specifically. Travis, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. Today's topic, people are going to know by the title what we're chatting about, but you know, I'm really curious to hear um, you know, your, your story of, of being in business, what you just went through and, you know, the process along the way, it continually evolves. And I think each time that, uh, you know, we cover it or, or have a guest on, there's something that we learn or, or something that's changed. So, um, welcome to the podcast. Look forward to learning from you here in your story and what just transpired. Hey, thank Patrick for having us on the show today. Tell me, uh, like to start a bit about yourself and, and your company, where you're located, what you guys um, do and, and work on in the background of your business. 
Uh, so we're in North, uh, located in the Pacific Northwest, uh, just at, outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, our primary subject is uh, servicing Ford, Chevy, and Dodge diesel pickups. When did uh, when did you start the company? In 2011. Okay. So there's a lot of um, I'm sure it's a little bit of everything that you guys would see repair, maintenance, you know, things like that. Just pretty much <laughs> kind of whatever comes, comes through the door, whoever calls you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now, as you know, from 2011 to, you know, recently, like I said, people are going to know by the title we're going to be chatting about um, the clean air act and emissions and things like that. Um, how did, how did your contact with the EPA, you know, even start? Was it a call a visit? Um, what happened that started this whole chain of events? Uh, we were notified by certified mail and email uh, for requests of information uh, on the civil side through the EPA. How long ago was that? Uh, I believe that was in May of 2020. Okay. I'm thinking of the timeline and some other guests we've had on. I know there were a lot of them in 2020 where they got the RFIs um, you know, through the mail at that time. And we had an admissions lawyer on last year and I was asking him, you know, how do these cases start? Because we see them either be civil or criminal and how they can change. How did yours start out, you know, with that RFI and then proceeding immediately after it? Uh, so we received that RFI. Um, we, Took a couple months to gather all the information they were requesting, submitted it. Um, we were basically, you know, you sit and wait to hear back. And we sat and waited and sat and waited and didn't hear anything back. And then all of a sudden, the day before Thanksgiving in 2020, uh, agents walked in and served us with a subpoena uh, for criminal charges, but didn't give us any information on it, whether we were uh, involved, if we were a witness on a situation or anything like that, kind of left us to sit to figure out um, and give them the information that was requested in the subpoena. Um, and at that point, uh, you know, it took a couple months to gather the information. Some of the information was still the same as the civil side. Uh, we submitted the information. Uh, it roughly took six, seven months before they got back to us and let them know that they were coming after me directly, um, that I wasn't an accessory to another case or, you know, along those lines. And the process had basically started moving forward from there. I was curious with these RFIs, you know, are they, are they just about like selling parts? Are they about installing parts? Are they a combination of both? What is it that you know, during that time, they're either looking for information that you have to provide? Mainly sales invoices for parts that we believe violate the Clean Air Act, whether it be tuners, exhaust, uh, you know, EGR delete kits is the main information they request. Uh, sometimes they go deeper as email communication. Um, you know, the list just goes on. Okay. So it's pretty, pretty comprehensive at what, uh, you know, what they, what they can include now with, you know, once you're notified that it, that it changes or it did change, what goes through your mind or, or, or what's it like being in that position where I'm sure 
the moment you get an RFI, it's just kind of like shock and, you know, worry. And then you provide the things that are asked for. And then it goes from civil to criminal. What's, what's that, what's that like? Help us understand kind of what that feels like or what's going through your mind. It was a huge shock to me to know that, you know, it was a very slim few in the industry that did get a criminal case. Um, you know, why they were going after us so hard. What did we do different than most? Uh, which I couldn't tell you that. Um, and then just the legality of the charges and the overall outcome of the case and, you know, what you could be prosecuted for. Is, is it just like a, I'm trying to understand and really kind of get a grasp of it because this is a topic that I don't enjoy covering, but I know that people definitely have an interest in and they want to learn from. Is it a bunch of different situations or parts or is it a couple of them or what was it like in your case when, you know, I'm sure with your lawyers and your legal team and everyone you're sitting down and looking at all this, is it just a few or is it a ton of things that, that uh, they wanted information on or that they were um, pursuing? In their request for information, they had listed a ton of different parts. They've listed turbos, they listed injectors, they've listed, you know, a bunch of parts. And we tried to negotiate a little bit that, you know, these are the actual things they're looking for, the tuning and, you know, the exhaust you know, kits and stuff like that. So it narrowed it down that we could give them the information they actually wanted in an appropriate amount of time. Okay. Because when I think of it, I, I think of tuning, I think of EGR stuff, think of exhaust pipe. I don't necessarily or haven't in the past thought about other things like turbos, injectors. I'm sure there's other stuff that's, that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. I typically, I don't even know if our audience really thinks about that because it's always been you know, a straight pipe, a tuner, you know, some EGR stuff. And, and that's what, you know, is kind of the focus. So how did things progress, you know, from there with, um, you know, once the case kind of changed direction, how did that lead up to, you know, kind of recent events and, and everything that's going on? Uh, there was lots of negotiations on their part. Initially, you know, you know they kind of throw everything at you, um, you know, and what, kind of a worst case scenario. Um, they start at this point going to, um, you know, people that you've sold products to, interviews with, you know, showing up at people's houses, people's place of work, um, reaching for information to basically build a case uh, against us. Um, they, you know, subpoena emails, they present you with a slideshow, you know, of where we violated and, you know, invoices uh, from manufacturers, invoices, email communication. Uh, you know, one thing that was kind of a little bit disturbing is they state all the time, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is they're not going after the racing community, but they had been at events that we host uh, taking pictures of trucks on the drag strip, the dyno, uh, our race vehicles, email communication of us, you know, talking about dialing in our race trucks, 
uh, with you know tuners, and they use those facts against you, but then they also state in their next sentence that that that's not what they're after. There's a lot of in, there's a lot of information there. There's some things I, I haven't heard before that I wanted to ask you about because one of the things whenever there's a, a topic like this, um, I think the perception is if you're a truck owner out there, you can do whatever you want with your truck and it doesn't apply to you. So they, in your case, would check with customers or check with people or want to get information about trucks that were in the shop. So they would go to their homes or where they worked and want to get information. Yeah. Asking them, you know, who they communicated with, if they knew who, you know, at our business did the work, um, you know, on parts that we sold over the counter, you know, asking who installed those parts. Those are the questions they were asking them. I think the the other big one was with the event part or, you know, I think of a dyno day or drag strip or, you know, something like that where a lot of enthusiasts and and, uh, you know, companies gather because it's the, the competition side of the sport is taking pictures or being there at these events, <clears throat> which is really interesting. I haven't heard that before. Um, so I, I, I didn't have questions prepared beforehand because I didn't know that, but that's, that's surprising to me. Yeah. It, when they presented it, it was a big shock to us as well. Wow. So it seems it seems like a whirlwind then especially like i said i think you know just an rfi would be kind of a whirlwind in itself but then um as i mentioned before there's this kind of split that happens it was explained to us by a lawyer and i don't know if he even knows i don't think he did which how they go which way um and i know that there's a lot of public record cases out there of, of civil um things that have happened that anybody can look up and, and, and see the outcome from, but there's not a lot that have gone the criminal direction that at least I'm aware of, or that we've had on the podcast. Um, the one we did last year was a shop owner and, and he explained his and how it went criminal. And I think it was house arrest, but yours is vastly different. Um, talk to us about that. So looking at the overall outcome of trying to go at to trial and the expense of lawyer fees and the possible outcome of, you know, losing trial uh, was just not those, those cards were not on the table. Uh, but essentially we came up with a plea deal that was not great. It was the lesser of the two evils. It was essentially tapping out for us. Um, with not no, with not having the abilities to continue to fight it, um, you know, a drastic fine, um, you know, in our eyes of one hundred forty nine thousand um, dollars and six months of a sentence in federal prison, which I believe I'm probably the first business owner that I know of in the diesel community to have charges like that. Yeah, because it's it's changed or evolved or picked up steam. Like that's the first time you know when I saw your story and read about it, I'd never I had never seen it like that before. It had always been either civil or it progressed a little bit, but I mean, six months in federal prison is that's the harshest one you know that I've seen, um, and. 
you know, as far as at that point, you know, cause I'm sure some listeners are going to go, Oh, fight it. You got to fight it. I would fight it. I'm sure we're going to see that in the comments a little bit, but when you're faced with the, the cost, the time, everything involved, you know, nobody can really, unless you're in that position, you can't make that decision, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the chance of losing everything that I've worked my life for in the outcome wasn't worth it. Did I want to take a plea deal? I did not. But to look at the overall big picture that I'm still alive, I still have my health, we'll still continue on with business. Um, that's basically the option, the only option that was feasible at this point. What is the toll that it takes, you know, not just as a business owner, but then personally with this whole process and then with the outcome that it is? It's, it's tough. Um, I've had my days, my weeks, my darkness, but I just have to continue to think that, you know, I still have my health, support of friends and family, customers. Uh, you know, it's taken a toll on a lot of people you know, employees, me, it's just, you know, it's not fair, but I just keep trying to look at the bigger picture. Now, is there, this is a, a bigger question. It's, it's somewhat related, but I think, I think of the person out there that just starts a company, maybe they've been in business for three months, six months, maybe they haven't done it yet, but this is their plan this year and next year to do it through this process. Are you given an outline or told Hey, in order to avoid this, you have to do A, B, C, D, and E. So you don't get in this position. Like, is it just that they want you to sell and install parts and have carb numbers that come directly from, you know, Ford, Cummins, Duramax? Is there any sort of guidance or, um, you know, feedback as to how this can be avoided? Because what got me curious about that was the turbo and injectors and the other things, the air intakes that you mentioned. Um, because it's now expanded in my mind, because it used to just be exhaust tuner, EGR plates, um, how to avoid it. There's a lot of gray area in my personal opinion of what they consider legal and not legal. There is no outline on it. Um, you know, it's violation of the Clean Air Act. So essentially tampering with any federal emissions device is their overall outcome but then when you start leaning into this carb testing and eo numbers you know they have to go through an extensive amount of testing which i'm not a professional on you know it changes the emissions regulations of the vehicle so you know if a turbo or a set of injectors doesn't have a carb approval or eo number are we actually violating the clean air act i can't answer that for you uh, you know, because they, I feel like they pick and choose what they want to come after or, uh, you know, nail you to the wall for. With the, the racing side, and I don't know, you know, any of the details, um, but this, this was something else that got me curious is did any of the information or any of the things they talked about or, um, went after, would it be considered a race vehicle like something without license without you know tags on it that's trailered to a dyno or a racetrack or something like that or is it more focused on daily drivers that are registered and you know in the state where they um you know reside or is it a little bit of both 
it's hard to answer that question is they say one thing but give you an example of another so that question's still up in the air oh, I gotcha. but the answer's still up in the air on that one i think a lot of the a lot of the confusion um from the community or enthusiasts is just not what it applies to because i think the clean air act is pretty kind of black and white in, in some ways um but it's just they don't know where the focus is so people are really curious about that like it's just race trucks it's just daily drivers is it both um you know kind of what year range can you do stuff to what you can't you do it with and so there's just so much gray area you know in talking about this but ultimately it has real repercussions um, for people and companies and you know that's that's the the real I'm not sure the right word for it, but that's that's the part that I kind of focus on. So when I read your story, I thought somebody owns a business. I'm sure you've invested a lot of time, effort, um, a lot of sweat equity, a lot of worry, um, and, and then you build this this entity up, and you have employees and all those things, and then it all just just gets hit right away. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one, you know, the fact that we had already changed direction before they had already, you know, served us, uh, even on the civil side, you know, we had took, you know, discontinued those services in our shop, you know, when the, you know, once the tuners and some of the manufacturer companies started, you know, getting letters and make it public, we basically, you know, didn't want a part in that. Um, and then, you know, for them to come knock on your door a year later, um, you know, was a little bit surprising. Um, you know, we took directions of, you know, buying uh, proper scanning equipment to properly diagnose these vehicles, you know, sending technicians to training to learn these, you know, emission systems and stuff like that. And there was no, you know, leniency or, you know, credit given towards that. As you look towards the future, you know, what what's your plan? What are you you know, what are you thinking about, about doing, what are some goals you have after, you know, this kind of goes in the rearview mirror a little bit, either with your business or the industry or automotive in general, what are you thinking? Um, you know, we'll continue business as we have for the last few years. Uh, you know, we're still a growing business. Um, you know, every year we continue to grow, um, you know, still here to serve our community and, you know, fix, fix trucks. That's what we're here for. Uh, one of the things that, uh, things that I've read, um, as it pertains to cases like this, or just, you know, things, things that I hear is there's a perception that truck owners just want to do deletes because they want the sound and they want the smoke. And, I don't sell parts. I'm not involved in that side of the industry. Um, but I've heard that there's a lot of issues that are out there getting some of these parts, depending on the year range. Some of them might even be discontinued um, if the trucks are old enough. Um, do you think that that is a driving force with truck owners? Why they want this because of supply, because of demand, because of a truck that won't run because they can't get this sensor or this filter or this valve or you know, this, this EGR motor, you know, things like that, or where does that come from? Do you think? So it was never our goal to, you know, modify these trucks for blowing black smoke. That's a, I always say it's a YouTube thing. 
reliability of the vehicle. You take anywhere from, you know, an average customer that, you know, possibly is still making payments on a truck of note of a thousand dollars a month. And these trucks that have these emissions issues um, that have sat in our parking lot waiting for parts six, eight months, um, you know, extreme cost, you know, you know, to do the other services, two, three thousand dollars to fix these things emissions. You know, we've had them six, eight, twelve thousand dollars to fix them. And not very many people, one, can afford to to pay that. And two, to have their vehicle sit for that long, one, while they're still making payments on this truck, trying to find other uh, you know, forms of transportation. But you may take a guy that owns a excavation company that has 20 trucks and say five of these trucks are down and what that vehicle makes him per day, um, you know, and the amount of money he's losing. So in their eyes, you know, previously there was other options available, which direction as a business standpoint would you choose? Yeah, and that's. A lot of what I've read, I would, I guess it could be considered mainstream media, but it always tends to revolve around the smoke and the sound and everything else. But, you know, things that, that I've, I've heard, or, or, you know, what you just mentioned to me now of a truck sitting there for six to eight months and you're looking at what, eight to 12,000, maybe even more, depending what we're looking at and can you get it? And I think that happens a lot, um, out there and, it's really tough for me kind of on the sidelines to know, you know, does the EPA focus just on the trucks that are, you know, smoking excessively or, you know, those kind of things, or do they understand that there's this whole supply chain issue and, and there's, it seems like there's a few things driving it, not just, I want to delete my truck and I want to blow smoke everywhere. It's much more complex than that. When they paint their picture, they want to paint their picture what's going to grab the people that don't un don't understand, um, you know, to make it look like, you know, what they want to make it look like. Uh, it's, you know, that's not what the main objective of it was. I, there was another podcast I did. We were talking about smoke on it, and um, I had mentioned. You know, with gas vehicles, you don't really see anything. But when you do see it, when you do see that white or blue smoke, it draws everybody's attention to it. And if you're not into diesel, haven't been around them, um, you don't understand it. For someone who's not, you know, doesn't pay attention, doesn't own one, it, it probably draws a lot of attention, you know, as well. So somebody reads that article or they, you know, they, they see that, that uh, thing online, well, it grabs your attention and you think, oh, wow, that's horrible or... Um, yeah, this is great. You know, it's, it's being stopped, but I think it's a much more complex thing than just, than, uh, just how it's painted. So I wanted to understand more about some of the challenges that people, that people face out there. And I know it's tough to talk about this, um, because it's not a fun subject and it has real repercussions, you know, personally, professionally for you, but I think sharing it and talking about it and getting it out there. So people understand is incredibly helpful. So I appreciate you you know, reaching out to us, wanting to share your story, wanting to talk about it and help educate the community, help educate anyone who listens, you know, to understand, especially the the newer people who are going to start a company in this industry and want to, this is what they want to do. 
is understanding what's going on. It's not just a fine um, like it used to be or a, gosh, I think way back it used to be stop selling these parts or don't do this. And then they do pull off the web, pull, pulled off a website. It's not like that anymore. Yes. And, you know, there's no consistency uh, in prosecution or punishment across the board. It kind of seems like they direct on, you know, certain areas across the United States, whether, you know, people, you know, are dealt with civil fine, civil, you know, cases and minimal fines or, you know, criminal cases and, you know, higher fines. There's no justification, you know, someone may have done an extensive amount of them with minimal fines or someone that had done minimal, minimal, uh, you know, um, jobs and extensive fines or, you know, as far as charges go, whether, you know, people that are getting house arrest, me going to prison, um, people that have community service, it's just all across the board. There's no, you know, consistency in anything. Yeah, that's that's something I, I could say it's definitely stuck with me from doing a handful of episodes about this is there doesn't seem to be a certain number if you cross this threshold or if you, if you do it one time or a thousand times, what happens? And um, I think that's, that's something that I know our listeners, you know, they'll get, they're passionate and they're opinionated. And I'm sure they'll, they'll they'll share them in the comments and you know and things like that. But it's just uh, it's it seems very inconsistent, um, you know, with it, and it continues to progress and progress, um, you know, with what it does. So um, I'm sure there's there might be people that have questions for you. Maybe you, you know you would want to answer them. Maybe there's other shop owners that have questions for you. Um, if so, what would be a, a good way for them to reach out to you directly to chat with you about it? Um, or, you know, maybe just share a message with you. Yeah. Uh, email is probably the easiest form of contact, uh, Travis at puredictiondiesel.com, you know, depending on the extent of the answer or conversation, whether it's an email back or a phone conversation, uh, to, you know, share more of my experience and, you know, and navigate people through this, uh, it was really hard to navigate the legal system and the charges and, you know, the accusations it's, you know, it's mind boggling, stressful, and, you know, really difficult to navigate uh, through them. And, you know, what they consider, you know, of a perception of what has happened. Uh, there's no time for you to explain the situation or help them you know, understand the process or, you know, per vehicle, per case or what was going on. Well, like I said, we appreciate you, you know, being willing to come on and talk about it and cover it because it's incredibly important and it's a major force in everything um, in automotive. I, I know there's gas is not something really covered. I don't pay a lot of attention to. I know they have it, but specifically with diesel, um, it, it it affects lives, it affects businesses, it affects parts, it affects what's being made, it affects what we see on websites to buy. Um, and it's it hasn't gone away. I think we first started talking about this five, six years ago. And every year, there's just another kind of wrinkle in it or another evolution of it. And, 
you know, yours is the most um, extreme one that we've heard about with the sentence. And so, um, you know, we appreciate the, just the, the communication and, and telling the story and, and helping us understand and, you know, keep us updated, you know, in the future. Um, let us know how things go. And, and like I said, really appreciate you being on chatting with us and, and sharing something that's difficult. That's, you know, incredibly hard to, to navigate and go through and just helping us see what, uh, you know, what shop owners out there are facing. No, definitely. I appreciate finally being able to speak on the topic and, you know, try to inform people of actually, you know, the truth and the processes that we've taken and, you know, try to, you know, share our story. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. They've got a bunch of quality knives, and they're designed to meet a bunch of different budgets um, and uses. Um, 2023 has been a huge year for Kershaw knives with a lot of innovation and new product releases. One of the newer ones is the Duralock model, which the blade's made out of D2 steel. It's priced right. There's a bunch of different choices for blade shape, length, um, handle, design, contouring. So it really, if it's you know something that you're looking to be able to have a quality, affordable knife, you know, in your pocket or um, around the job site, around the house, um, or outdoors, definitely want to make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Check out what they have and use code 23Diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23Diesel, Jay Cole, John, all of our other Patreon um, supporters, all of you who subscribe on YouTube podcast apps or on our Discord channel. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, or TikTok. We appreciate all the feedback that you guys give us, all the questions that you ask, and we love to be able to deliver the content that you guys want to hear to be able to learn about your trucks, learn about business, learn about personal stories of overcoming challenges. And we look forward to doing more of that in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.